0: The 4 o'clock Football Frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600.
1: Football Frenzy time as uh, we move past the halfway point of the show. In about 15 minutes, we are going to go back to the NHL trade deadline day and talk to Barry Melrose, the legendary Barry Melrose, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. (laughs) Uh, Adam, you'll notice, I know Ari has noticed, that uh, the Deshaun Watson story with all these allegations, we pretty much have stayed away from outside of having convos when our lawyers are with us, our attorneys are with us. And there's a reason, because it is treacherous territory. Was there a reporter just fired because he was popping off about the accusers a couple of weeks ago?
2: Yeah, this is a weird one, because I really can't find the details of exactly... What he said that was an issue, but uh, Aaron Wilson, who covers the Texans, uh, has been let go from that job uh, because of there was a there was an allegation. I guess you could say that he referred to. and I guess he did do it. Uh, that he referred to uh, the allegations as a quote money grab. Now, I don't know the the context in which he used it. Uh, I do know that I heard him discussing it in one case where he used a similar phrase. It may have been the same phrase, but he was basically saying, like, you know, I'm not sure if this is real or a money grab, which is, at this point, I think an ac- accurate way to, to sum it up, nobody knows one way or the other. I think th- the the accusers need to be able to tell their story. They need to be heard. They need to have the benefit of the doubt absolutely that they are that they are telling the truth about all this and i think it's very easy to say when there's this many accusers that there's something there for sure um but i i don't think it's out of bounds to say we don't know the details yet and we don't know um you know what how this all came about or or what the uh you know the precipice was for all of this and, and what you know what pushed it all and whether a lawyer you know organize this group in order to try to get money out of deshaun watson we don't know uh i tend to think the first part when there's this many allegations that it's you know there's something there that needs to be investigated and looked at but uh, uh, nobody knows the truth of this and if you say you do you're you're lying you don't no, nobody could possibly know except deshaun watson and the women so this is a weird a weird scenario to me uh where you can't uh, and and i i guess listen if you if you have a problem with the term that this could be a quote money grab i get why you'd have a problem with that but i think people also need to realize that especially when we're doing interviews and and you know writers that are doing interviews or podcasts like yes we do a lot of them but at the same time like it's not your it wasn't your natural uh you know your natural habitat it's not your your first job you weren't a speaker you're a writer and you get to look over your words you know 10 12 times before you actually publish them and sometimes you don't pick the right word when you're speaking uh you know off the top you know just doing answering a question doing an interview Like you don't get to analyze every single word so i think attacking phrases sometimes is uh, is very problematic
1: uh we have more information on the uh bac of brit reed in the accident son of Andy Reid, chiefs coach, former chiefs coach, BAC of .113, and he's been charged with a felony DWI.
2: Yeah, and again, uh, you know, left the accident, left the uh, the young girl. We remember this just before the Super Bowl uh, with brain damage. Um, I know that the, the question now uh, lingering, now that the charges have been filed, which did take a long time, and I know people are getting frustrated about that. Uh, the question now, though, is – where was he drinking and listen in the grand scheme of things does it matter no what matters is that a girl went through this you know tragic uh moment in her life by no fault of her own uh, because Britt reed was irresponsible and did uh, an irresponsible thing but uh if he was drinking at the facility and, and that is something that comes up in the investigation and in the trial that does change kind of the complexion of the whole case and the the chief's responsibility in it. Uh, So I think it's something to absolutely monitor because again, not the most important part of it, but it is in the legal sense. uh, It does change a lot about this case. And, you know, at some point he was definitely at work and where the crash happened was close to work being the chief facility. So did he go somewhere in between and that's where he got intoxicated or, That he comes straight from the facility, and uh, I'm sure that the Chiefs as an organization are um, definitely worried about that information potentially coming out if it's true.
1: Quote, by any measure of what constitutes an elite NFL career wins championships production, Julian has it all, said Bill Belichick today. Edelman, it comes out that uh, he is going to retire, and Adam Kaufman, who works in the... Boston area WBZ said Julian Edelman belongs in the hall of fame Patriots legend and all time playoff performer. Both of us have said repeatedly throughout the show, he's not a hall of famer. He's a hall of very good. He was a key player on what turned out to be a Brady Belichick dynasty. Really important, really good, not a hall of famer. Yeah. And
2: to come from seventh round pick and, and, you know, be a part of this legendary run for the Patriots is, is impressive and it's an amazing accomplishment and he Great had an career. unbelievable career, yeah. unbelievable career. Like all those things are, are, you know, very, very uh, noteworthy and should be celebrated. But Hall of Famer, like I, I just saw, uh, we talked about the Jake Reed comparison earlier. It's of you know, similar numbers. Um, I just see a story from uh, a site that a blog that covers the Saints where it's like, you want to put Julian Edelman in? Fine. You better put Marquise Colston in, too. He was better. And so, I mean, that's the that's the door you open. Now, the counter would be it's it's about what he did in the playoffs. And Hall of Fame is a very subjective thing. What does fame mean? Yeah. Playing on on that team? Like, you could put like 30 guys from the Patriots dynasty in. They're all very well known. They're all famous. They all have big names. They have big careers. They had great playoff runs. All of those things. So, yeah, if you if you want to say fame, Hall of Fame, just means how well known they are. But okay. In a
1: lot in a lot of ways, it's no different than say uh, Yankees fans, you know, of the teams of the late '90s, early 2000s, saying that Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill, Jorge Posada. And Andy Pettit all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Very Good, you know, and they were part, a key part of a dynasty, but not Hall of Famers. Yeah, and oh. you know, nothing when, against them. Nothing against them. They're all they, they were great. They got the rings to prove it, but they're not Hall of Famers.
2: If Julian Edelman was drafted by you know whoever, <laughs> uh, the Cardinals, or you know just some <laughs> random team.
1: And he right. had this he had career: 620 catches for 6,800 yards and 36 touchdowns in the regular season, but only played like four postseason games because he just yeah. didn't luck into getting to play with Tom Brady. No one, no one's even at all. This is not even a conversation.
2: It's not a conversation. That's what we said. Like the the, the comparables for the career are you know Jake Reed and Marcus Colston, not Hall of Famers. And I don't think Patriots fans that are that are up in arms saying Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer are gonna make the case for Jake Green or Marquise
0: Colston. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the four o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Hey guys, Flower, um, good here good
3: tonight
4: um hopefully you guys got to uh, to enjoy a few donuts i think uh, i will for sure <laughs> and hopefully all these guys
0: too <laughs> all right have a good night now back to cofield and company in the finley toyota studio
1: my god las vegas is the home of great promotions this is a pretty good one this turned out pretty well for uh, we'll give them the free pop crispy cream with uh Flurry shutouts, he got another one yesterday. Today's big news was the uh, trade deadline, and we're honored to have on the one, the only, Barry Melrose joins Cofield and company here in Vegas. Barry, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? We're good, man. We're just eating donuts because that's a big promotion here. Anytime uh, Flurry posts a shutout, uh, we get free donuts. Anytime
4: you get free donuts, it's a good promotion.
1: It is a good promotion, (laughs) exactly. All right, you tell me on this day, you're the expert. On this day, what was the most surprising thing for you about trade deadline day? Uh,
4: I I think, you know, the big names involved, uh, you know, Taylor Taylor Hall. I think, uh, you know, that sort of caught everybody by surprise going to Boston, you know, because it it comes down to salary caps, and and there's so many variables. It's hard to to make deals in, in the NHL now. Um, you know, Tampa Bay having a good day here. The rich get richer. I, I did that in the Center tonight. You know, the Bruins get better. Tampa Bay gets better. Toronto gets better. It seemed like that was happening uh, all game long. Uh, so, uh, I, but I, I think it's, you know, just the, the number of number of moves always surprises me. I, I know why they have to be moved. I know what you're trying to do. But it's, it's always a surprise when, when you're talking about, you know, 20 different guys, 30 different guys get moved. And how the, it changes the way that the teams are built—it's it's going to be very interesting.
2: So a lot of uh, a lot of reaction to the Capitals' move today. How much better did the Capitals get with their trade?
4: Um, you know what? I I, I, it, 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 I, I, they're 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 bigger than they were. Uh, I, I think it's all going to depend on uh, getting him to play. Uh, he's a yeah. he's a giant of a man. Uh, he's six foot four, six foot five. He's got a wicked wrist shot. Uh, he, can, he can, if they can get him to play hard every night, he's a superstar in the making. So, uh, so I like that deal. I, I think they're a motivated team. You know, a young guys playing on uh, with Jager and Backstrom and all those guys. I think, you know, they'll be fired up to do that. And and they're one of the best teams in the NHL. So, uh, not as fast as they were yesterday, but bigger than they were yesterday. Yeah, uh, definitely.
2: Definitely. Added some size. That's the first very noticeable thing about him. So uh, I guess just looking at the, at, at the trade deadline, I think the, the question is you never know how guys are going to gel. Right. With their new team, you don't know how they're going to fit in, how the how the lines are going to be managed and what's going to happen. So we can't really judge trade deadline day for a while. But just looking at where things stand today, who is the best team in the NHL with what you know, what's going on and what's transpired here?
4: Well, Tampa Bay is the best team in the NHL. They won the Cup yeah. last year. Uh, they go out and get Savard, who is a big stud defenseman. He'll be in the top four. Really tough to play against. 230 pounds. He can fight. He can hit. He can check. And then uh, and then uh, uh, they go out, and don't forget that Kutrov going to be back. What other team that, that has been one of the best teams in the NHL gets the, maybe the best player in the world back in their lineup? So I think that, that shows you know how good they are and how deep they are. That they never missed a beat. You know, uh, Kucherov leaves, Stamkos comes back. Stamkos is having a great year. Kucherov is resting and will be back. Uh, you know, probably you know sometime before the end of the season and ready to take a run at the Stanley Cup. So you'd have to say that Tampa is, is better now than uh, than they were were uh, yesterday at this time. And that's a scary thing for most teams in the NHL. I love I love the Felino deal. I, I just he's a guy that you just want in your dressing room. He's a leader. He's tough. He's physical. He'll do anything it takes to win. Block shots. Uh, that that was a great pickup by Toronto. Toronto's got some young guys, inexperienced guys that haven't won much in the playoffs. So they've got most of the guys haven't won much in the playoffs. But Lino yeah. is a guy that has good playoffs and make everybody around him better.
2: The uh, unmistakable voice of the legend Barry Melrose here joining us here on uh, deadline day uh, in the NHL. Uh, you just mentioned Toronto. Is this the year? Do they finally break through?
4: Boy, it'll, it'll, if, if it isn't a year, uh, it's going to be a tough off season. It's always a tough offseason for Toronto because they've always been a team that had tons of money, more money than anybody else. They spent all that money, and yet they haven't been able to win a Stanley Cup since 19, 1965, something like that. Uh, I, I was a huge Toronto kid growing up, so I remember watching the last Stanley Cup. Uh, and uh, they haven't won since. And if you look at that, that's amazing with resources that they've pushed into uh, winning the Stanley Cup and trying to win the Stanley Cup, and all the deals that they made, and all the coaches that they fired, and all the GMs that they fired, and all the presidents that they fired and brought in is—it's just, you know, very tough not to never been rewarded with that. And it's very—it's a shocking surprise because you got some teams that that you know doesn't spend the money and didn't spend the money and have won one or two Stanley Cups already. So it's—it's uh, it's amazing to have not won. So in, in answering your question, yeah, this this is probably the best team. They've they've had in probably in a long long time and and uh, if they if they blow this, it'll uh, they, be pretty shocking because they this has been the perfect year, perfect storm, everything has been going their way, they've been pretty healthy, uh, you know trades getting Felino, getting the guys you need, uh, so they're going to be a this this should be their year. Like I said, if they if they don't win, it's it's going to be shocking to everybody. Probably cost a lot of people their jobs again, for the umpteenth yeah. time i want to uh, move
2: move it along to the uh, the golden Knights to talk a little a little vegas hockey uh but with that how hard is it to know you know what teams are the best teams when nobody's playing each other this year outside of their division we only see how they stack up against their division
4: well i i, I, I think that's one of the inter- interesting things about this play is that you're you're going have some prizes uh coming out uh after uh, the season starts after the playoff start. Uh, you know, you play in your own division, and then you're you're going to play, you know, uh, other games when they move on. So, I, I think I think it's interesting. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be something we haven't seen before, and and, and you know, it's going to um, open up a lot of things about a lot of people. So, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun to watch.
2: There you go. And with that, how good are the Vegas Golden Knights? What do you what do you think of this team?
4: Uh, good team. Uh, well, there's a lot of good teams right now. We got you know, you look Tampa Bay. I talked about Toronto. I have talked about uh, Washington Capitals are very good. Um, Vegas is very good. Colorado is probably the best team in the NHL. Most people are picking them. I'm picking them. They're they're excellent. Uh, so uh, you know there's there's a lot and there's a lot of teams that think they can win. There's a lot of good teams and uh, there's a lot of good teams that think they can win. So that's why there's you know some you know that's why. Taylor Hall gets moved to a contender like the Boston Bruins. At at the end of the year, he he wanted yes. to go to a contender that uh, can win the cup. in Boston, with the right people that they added today, maybe they are now again. So, uh, but it's it's um, it, it's the, the system worked. I think for the NHL with all the stuff that happened and all the things they tried. I think you know with all the battles we've had to battle the last couple of years. I think the NHL most things have worked out very very well for them.
2: Yeah, for sure, and, and for the Golden Knights, not a whole lot of activity here at the deadline day, which is new for them. They've been major, major players uh, the last couple of years. This year, not a whole lot of room to navigate under the cap. Uh, but you know, they had some.
4: I think that was Sorry, part of it under the cap. But I, I think they they got a really good team. They don't want to, you know, they, yeah. they don't want to change a lot of guys. They got they made the big deals before. They got the players they wanted. Now they're as good a team as there is in the NHL. So you know, it's the old saying: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So maybe they just really, really <laughs> like their team. Well, there you go. And uh, as
2: far as, you know, there's been a lot of talk about having two goaltenders at the Golden Knights. have. It came in very handy for them when Robin Leonard missed some, some significant time and Fleury stepped up and played really well. But when you're spending that much on goaltending and one of them has to sit in the playoffs, does that become an issue where a lot of your cap is dedicated to somebody that won't be in the game?
4: Well, I guess I'll play the devil's advocate. What if they wouldn't have had the two highly priced goaltenders? Would they be winning the way they have yeah. been? You know, Fleury's yeah. been unbelievable. And then, yeah. uh, you know, he was great last year, too. So, usually the old saying is if you got two goaltenders, you don't have one. But uh, as far as Vegas is concerned, I know they spend a lot of money on goaltenders, but flurry has been great and has saved their butts uh, a number of times. So, uh, right there, when you've got two goaltenders, when you've got one goaltender and you see a goaltender get hurt, you're shocked. You're, oh, this is uh, this is brutal, this is brutal. At least if you got two goaltenders and one of them gets hurt, you still feel good about your club, and I think that's, that's happened with Vegas. They feel good about themselves and then and, and like their team a lot.
1: Barry, thank you so much. We appreciate it. That was awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks, there man. is. Barry Melrose, ESPN. Adam, explain to the audience and, and me uh, for Neophytes when it comes to the, the cap around the National Hockey League. Um, I was reading this tweet earlier. Teams haven't been shy in shopping their cap space. Uh, Devils, Detroit. San Jose, have all been used as a broker to remedy cap issues to this point. What does that mean? Yeah,
2: like uh, you saw with the Golden Knights trade with Chicago that they got San Jose involved uh, and passed along some of the some of the money. Um, listen, I, I am not – I can't do the day-to-day calculations. The Golden Knights have like a team. I know there's one, one guy in particular, but they have like a team of guys that are just figuring out the cap every single day. And every you see day. that's why guys – yeah, that's why guys are sent down. They're sending guys down to the minors on off days to, to manipulate the cap. Like, they've been doing it for two years now uh, to try to stay under and create as much as they can. But some teams have had some cap space, uh, and there's you know there was less cap space like, like there is in, uh, in the NFL as well this year. So cap was down. But some teams have a little bit of space. But, hey, we'll pay somebody's salary. We'll pay a percentage of somebody's salary the rest of the year, take on that cap space for a draft pick. You know, throw, throw us an asset, throw us a draft pick, we'll take on a little bit of that cap space, and uh, it, it, you've seen in a couple of the, of the different deals that have gone on uh, the last couple of days. So uh, I think it's been an interesting little development of like so much manipulation of that number, but you've got to do it. You know, the the Knights have had to have been kind of been up against it for two years now, and trying to figure it out on a day to day basis. And uh, if you've got a little bit of space and you can uh, you can use that and leverage it into uh, a draft pick or a future asset of some sort. Why not do that?
1: So when I hear manipulation, I think bending the rules. Is this no, something so. down the road? Is this something down the road where the NFL is going to be like, okay, this is stupid. We got to this is a loophole. We got to we got to stop this. Possibly, but I mean, manipulation
2: isn't always bending the rules. Like it's finding every single every single spot you can where you can, you know, create a little bit of room for yourself and you know every move you can make within the rules i know that the the league looked at some of the stuff the golden knights were doing last year right and they were like ah but they 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 figured out and they uh revealed that it was it was it was fine it's not comfortable uh for anyone and the golden knights have you know had a couple of times this year where they didn't have a full roster uh but you know you've got to do what you got to do to to fit all these big contracts there
1: uh in about an hour yeah, check that about 45 minutes. Uh, our top story in the big 5 we'll be talking about what or what the Knights didn't do today. And if they, they blew it because says Barry Merrill has just mentioned a lot of the top contenders made some big banger trades really improved today. So we'll examine that in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to go to the betting window in about 15 minutes. John von Tobel will be in, as we'll look at this week in NBA betting and also uh Hit on a couple of futures out there. We're seeing more of the draft props pop up, especially locally here in Vegas. We're talking NHL. Check that. NFL draft prospects.
0: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Time now for Dustin DeHart's Club 99. Back to Steve Cofield.
1: All right. Club 99, right, for Madden. By the way, John Madden, birthday over the weekend, Raiders legend. 85 years old. So happy birthday to uh, Big John. You know, if they ever did a movie featuring the Madden era, first of all, it would be highly entertaining, wild as hell. You remember I played that uh, Howie Long clip uh, about six months ago where Howie was doing an interview on Tom Flores, and he, he had said something I really I had never heard or rarely heard anyone else say about Flores, about the cleanup job that Tom Flores had to do coming in to the Raiders, because post-Madden, it was like, it was so frigging chaotic. Like, the lack of discipline and, you know, the second, third, fourth, fifth, 10-chance guys on the team. Yeah, and, and Long said it. Howie Long said it. He's like, uh, you know, you, you you get there and, like, showing up on time was, like, a gigantic deal. Like, the players just could, they couldn't even manage that, right? Showing up on time for... Uh, games, sadly, you know, not 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 far enough before games, but also practices. The practices was the hard part. So if they if they did a Madden movie, I mean, you are going to look for someone who's a bit zoftic, right?
2: Yeah, I would bigger, think
1: so. Right, so Kevin James would be perfect. Sure, but I think Kevin James is like is Hollywood zoftic, not actual zoftic. Is he not fat? Because that's what I was thinking uh, when you sent the story over. I am like. Has he lost a lot of weight? Is this the camera adding 50 pounds? And I think like it is Kevin James is like really like 190 pounds?
2: But he looks 250? I, mean, I, I think he's I think he's probably like 230.
1: But he's also like five,
2: it's like five right. six. He's like
1: five All right, we need a height determination on Kevin James. Is he only five six? <laughs> I mean he might list himself at like five nine. So five six, two thirty?
2: He's, he's like a he's a Steve Cofield
1: size. Right. Five nine four hundred. Five eight, <laughs> on a good five, day. 5'8"? Eight. Eight. Okay, well that's he's bigger than Ari. Yeah, that's like a lot say, bigger than Ari. On a Ars. good day,
3: on a good day. All
1: right, all right, all right. So, so wait, you're saying Kevin James is too small from a height standpoint to be Madden? Maybe. Well, no, I think he's
2: and from a weight, I think weight too. I think he's, I think he's not big enough. I would go like a. God, I wish I wish Farley was still around. That'd be perfect. Uh, what about like the <laughs> Madden? It would have to be like the guy from there's like there's the guy that's been on two sitcoms about being a fat guy who's that guy <laughs> do, you, do you know that that dude uh, I can never remember no, his name
1: he, are you talking about Mike and Molly and now yeah whatever whatever he is and, and I don't know what his name is in the mixed marriage show that he's on now it's like it's Bob Hart
2: something or whatever I I don't know what the show's called I've seen the promos on on football games okay but yeah that guy. You feel Maybe like he can do it. I think so. He's like the only like real fat dude in Hollywood.
1: There's got to be some undiscovered no. fat dudes. Sure. Couldn't Frank Caliendo just do it somehow? <laughs> no. I think he's too he short. Not, he, yeah,
2: he's not big enough either. I mean, you know, prosthetics or something. and work it out. The voice is there.
1: <laughs> A fat suit? It's been done. Oh, so Therefore. you weren't talking about Billy you weren't talking about Billy Gardell who's with Melissa McCarthy and, and uh what was and Mike and Molly? Yeah, that guy. Oh, okay. Well you weren't even calling is Isn't he, do the, same, he do the same guy? As who? He's on a new he's on a new show. He's yeah, Bob, oh, yeah oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He, but, yeah, Bob Hartz Abishola. Yeah, that guy. It's the yeah, same yeah. guy, right? I actually thought his name was like Bob Hartz Abishola i didn't get it i didn't get that I was like hearts who what yeah that's the same guy i think yeah gardell that guy oh my god today we, not- really, we, we really are the freaking muppet show judges we're just like what huh <laughs> what are you talking about huh I mean, my lord i'm just googling for right. fat want, actors you want billy gardell yeah i think we do need to come up with a list of uh of fat actors you want billy gardell to play madden um, you're saying Kevin James is too small that he's Hollywood fat is. So is Kevin James so thin that he can play Sean Payton? Cause isn't that what's happening? He is playing Sean Payton, by the way. Uh, what about, what about Kevin from the office? He can play Madden. I mean, Brian I don't, I, think his name is. I don't, I don't see that in his acting chops. but I mean, maybe he's that great an actor. That, that character is. is so unique. It would be amazing <laughs> to see him, to see him play Madden.
2: That's that's who I'm calling for. I want Brian
1: Baumgartner. He's a huge sports guy. You know, I guess is this an issue? If if you've got fatter actors playing thinner guys, shouldn't we be holding those people up as heroes? Sure. Right. Like if Kevin Kevin James is going to get the role playing Sean Payton in, uh, they're going to do a Bounty Gate show or movie or series. What is it?
2: It's a it's a movie on Netflix about Bounty Gate, and the, like the premise the premise of the movie is like Sean Payton getting a job during his year off from the Saints, and coaching like a youth league.
1: What? Like, is this going to be funny? Well, if Kevin James is in it, it'd probably be funny. And Adam Sandler's producing it. But is it going to be funny? Essentially, is Sean is Sean Payton now like a Paul Blart coach? That's my that's my
2: vision. That's what of what the movie
1: is? Al was great. That is a great character. God, he was a buffoon, but a lovable guy who got emotional. Sure, uh, I I just don't know what this is going to be. Like I don't I don't look at
2: Bounty Gate as like a famous enough thing to have like a movie about. about
1: it. I mean the, the premise just- the premise of a coach being booted from the NFL and then coaching high school or a youth team could be kind of funny.
2: I guess so. It's it's very weird. By the way, I'm caught up on
1: on Madden. What about John Goodman? Um I think he's too old. And he's also I'm pretty sure that he's kind of just Hollywood fat now. I think he lost a lot of weight. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to throw he's a curveball in there. Please do. Because just on the face, Patton Oswalt. I know he wouldn't <laughs> nail it. He's not like the per- but he looks similar. So I think he might be able to pull it he's off. Also, so,
2: he's tiny. Ooh,
1: Sean Payton or Madden. He's more uh, no for Sean Payton. Oh, really?
2: Where did this come from? We've moved on. I thought to that. <laughs> we moved back. All right. Uh, I'm all. Yeah, I, I can kind of see the face similarities of Patton Oswald and Sean Payton.
1: Also, a but look- I
2: don't. I don't think this movie on Netflix about Sean Payton in Bounty Gate is going to be like historically accurate. So I don't think we need to be an exact replica.
1: Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. No, but I but I like this. As, but I like this as a genre, like comedic takes after bad things happen. Like the next step in their lives, or it's funny for like a year, for eighteen months. So, so, like, we could do a movie about like people that have been quote unquote canceled. Like, what do they do? Yeah, this should be right up your alley. You'd be a great writer with this, making light of a terrible situation, right? Sure. Matt Lowry is running. Matt, Matt lauer runs an ice cream stand on Long Island now. Well, what? Okay. It'd be a little. It'd be a little creepy. Isn't that the point? Sure. That it, it'll be it'll be absurd enough where you're like, "What? What's he doing?"
2: Yeah. Matt hey, Gates takes a class learning how to make your Venmo private. Start over again. <laughs> Say it again, Matt Gates. What? He takes a class learning how to make your Venmo transactions private. Make,
1: like I'm just make, laughing,
2: making, <laughs> idiot. Because it, it's so like if you're if you're doing something so ridiculous and you're making transactions on Venmo, you've gotta come on,
0: man. Don't make them public. What are you doing? Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600.
3: What about Hideki
0: Matsuyama? Because no. I got my guy at 51 to 1. He's killing no. me, Dave. No. He's, done this. no. he's been doing this for two years now. Yep. So I suppose he's a good enough player to have a break to at some point. Four rounds together, but right now it's not happening. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. Damn, Von Tobel making
1: production requests over the weekend after Matsuyama wins it. What's going on, JVT?
3: Uh, Feeling good, feeling good. My guy, Hideki Matsuyama. I I need to set the scene here, Steve. For People who don't really understand, and you underestimated my enjoyment of golf as well. On Friday, I, I enjoy golf, and I have bet on Hideki Matsuyama. He has been part of my card in every single major since about 2017. He's an insanely talented golfer. Uh, he is a very good ball striker, solid with his irons. But and as Dave kind of alluded to there, he wasn't completely wrong. He has yet to really yet to really put it together over four rounds. I mean, this is his first win in like a thousand some of the days, whatever it was. So like you've just always been waiting for more, despite the talent shining through, and finally did it. He is he's my white whale, and now I got him. He was my Moby Dick, but now I never got to the end, so I don't know what happens after they finally catch Moby Dick. Actually, I don't even know if they get Moby Dick, but I got Moby Dick, <laughs> and I'm very happy about it.
1: And you actually did get him at fifty-five to one.
3: Uh, fifty to one, yeah, fifty to one on Montz. I bet him right before the tournament started. I actually, got a bad number. I like I bet him on Wednesday, and I guess he closed at circa where I got my number at like fifty-eight to one. So I could have gotten a little bit more, but. Yeah, it was a really good number. It's really cool to hit a shot like that in a tournament like the Masters. And I'll say this too, you know, kind of to what Dave was putting there, of uh, putting together there was his point. If you don't watch Matsuyama a lot, that was a quintessential follow for Matsuyama throughout a tournament. Like he can look dominant, ran through Saturday after a rain delay, looked like he was going to be untouchable, but needed almost every stroke of that lead on Sunday to kind of put it together. We saw him on 15 get way too aggressive, pick the wrong club. I think he used like a four iron when all he had to do was pitch it up and lay it up, and he didn't want to do that, goes into the water. He just makes it tough on himself a lot of the time. And so, you know, when I saw him on the final hole, and the little graphic pops up, I was sitting there watching it with my wife, and it said two strokes, uh, you know, one putt to win it, can use it in two or whatever the way they phrase it. I was like, he's going to use both. And sure enough, it's like a five-foot putt. He doesn't hit the first one, he has to hit the second one. So I don't know how consistent the performances are going to be from here on out and how many times we'll see him win, but it was really cool as a fan and as a better on him to see him
1: actually do it. Do you just walk around flexing on everyone you work with at VEASAN? Because there, there are so many times I'll listen to VEASAN and you're on, and, you know, you're tabbed an NBA expert, and I'll hear people say to you, well, you, you don't really cover this. You're not into this sport.
3: <laughs> well, it does. I, I Why? It does Flex get annoying. It uh, you know, Flex. Huh? Flex it up. Oh, well, Flex it up. Flex it up. It does, you know, I, I won't lie, it does get annoying. You know, I, I do take pride in my work. I do think I'm very good at covering uh, all of the sports, college basketball, NFL included. You know, was a, I was on a podcast earlier today, and, you know, they, they you know, innocently, because, you know, I'm a recent senior NBA handicapper, and they, they put me on for NBA. They're like, do you watch much golf? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, like a lot of other stuff other than the NBA. So, it, it gets annoying, but I, I persevere, Steve. I, I persevere.
1: It's a struggle.
2: <laughs> it is. It is. What,
3: well, what can... What
2: kept you on him, John? Because I know you said you've been betting him. I, I actually read a couple stories this week uh, that were saying all these golf handicappers have been betting him in every tournament. And you and another friend of mine uh, are the only two that I that I know that kind of stayed with it and kept betting him. But why did you keep doing it when all these other handicappers seem
3: to have jumped off? Uh, I believe you're referring to Case Kiefer. Case Kiefer I saw over the weekend. Like- yeah. Uh, on Twitter. Did. Uh, so it was a couple of things, Adam. One, you know, like I alluded to, I think from a talent perspective, when you watch him, he, he's a very good golfer. And so, like, at times, you know, we're starting to see there's a Roy McIlroy, by the way. When you're a really good golfer, but you consistently underperform, your odds start to drift down the board. You know, four years ago, Matsuyama, we're talking like 25-ish to 1, 30-to-1, in that range to win a lot of these tournaments. But you get betters who bet on you. You consistently disappoint, and so your odds start to drift downward. So the, I thought the value was there on a tournament tournament basis. I thought selfishly as well, like, I just didn't want to not bet on him the tournament that he did it. You know what I mean? Like, I was stubborn because there was going to be, like, I just felt, he's going to break through at some point. I have value on the number, and I just don't want to be sitting there one Sunday when he's doing what he did last weekend and not have the ticket on him despite the fact that I've been so consistently kind of pounding the table, like, this guy's good, just kind of give him a shot. That's kind of what kept me on him.
2: So stubbornness, basically. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Also, also not, to, uh, not to dampen your flex, but Case hit Matsuyama and a 100-to-1 shot in one of the NASCAR races this weekend? So what am I on That's for? insane. I don't Man, know. What are you looking for? <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a preposterous weekend. I just wanted to uh, well, give him credit for, for that For those
3: one. who don't, and Case can probably speak a little bit more to this, but you know, when I had my show Easton, you know, we would do weekly spots with the guys, uh, Brendan Gone on and, and our racing show. Like from what I understand, NASCAR is a very chalky sport, right? Like the favorites are like three, four to one for a reason. It is very yeah. rare to hit a number like that in NASCAR. So that's a pretty good hit. Yeah,
1: John von Rebels with us at Visa Adam Hill is here as well. Uh, we'll get to a little NBA here in just a couple seconds, but we're starting to see more and more of the draft props pop up around the country. And, you know, uh, we're kind of the last ones to get, to get the bets. <laughs> it's amazing in Las Vegas and Nevada. Um I just put down a little bit of money on uh, over the five and a half pick for one Kyle Pitts at plus one forty five on the over. Am I crazy?
3: Well, I mean, it's funny. So we talked about this today because I'm filling in on decent for humans, Matt Human, um, and I actually I, I like Pitts under just because if the smoke screens all seem to lead to Atlanta, right? Like Atlanta seems really tied to Pitts in terms of what they want, adding a piece there, and that's obviously at number four, and so that would be under the five and a half. So that's just my general thought on it. Is when I looked at that, I thought it was going to be five and a half or under the five and a half. Now, I will say, to your point, Steve L.A., said making that bet over, the margin for error is really small for that kind of a pick, right? Like, if you're going under five and a half, it looks like the top three quarterbacks, top three picks are all locked in the quarterback. We can talk about number three and who the quarterback's going to be, but it looks like it's going to be a quarterback. So then you're just really asking one team, Atlanta, to make that selection for you. And that's kind of like the tough spot for me. So maybe. Like, instead of, and this is the cool thing about draft props, you always shop around for different things. For me personally, instead of betting under the five and a half, like I was thinking about, go shop and see if I can get a better price on a Falcons to draft Kyle Pitts specifically type prop, like an index prop, things like that. Mm -hmm. You can always attack it in different ways. Uh, But I would would agree with your thoughts. I personally lean a little bit towards the under, but I think I'm going to try to offset it instead of laying the price that's out there.
1: Justin Fields is, what do you got on Pitts, Adam? No, I was going to say also be careful on that
2: because in in I think this is good for anybody that's betting draft props at all is to make sure you read what you are actually betting yep. because, as John said, if you're looking for a Falcons-to-draft Kyle Pitts prop, that is different from Kyle Pitts being the fourth pick, right? Yes. So anybody could draft up or could move up and draft Pitts because I think Pitts is, very, is a very hot commodity that people might dra- draft up for. And, you know, the Falcons are probably interested in trading down if they don't take pits. So just make sure you know the wording because you can find one place as who will be the fourth pick and another place who will the Falcons pick. Those are different things. So just be careful on the draft props. And if the
1: Falcons say say the Falcons move back to eight and they took pits, your bet's still good on Falcons to take pits.
2: Right, if you find those. Usually it'll be number four pick. Who will it be? But, yeah, make, that's what I'm saying. Make sure you know exactly what you're betting. And as Steve talks about, it's, it is very confusing. I mean, we've been doing this long enough that we kind of get it now. But if you're just getting into the draft draft betting world, John, like the over-under kind yep. of is confusing for people. You're like under three and a half. Like, oh, he's going to be picked later than, than fourth. Like no under is one, two, or three. Like, it is kind of confusing for people just getting into the draft betting world. Bro,
3: it's, it's my job, and I still get confused. And I think earlier today I said I liked them over, and I was like, oh, you know, it's four, so I like them under. Like, it, yeah, the wording definitely throws people for a whirl, and you know, Adam's point is very sound. You know, house rules, you always want to do that type of stuff with anything you're betting, especially futures-wise, but uh, the yeah. wording of the prop that you're betting, you know, I've been burned on that a couple of times in the past, so you always <laughs> got to make sure.
2: John John still can't figure the over, under, in, in fight rounds uh, and round props. You still have a tough time with that one.
3: Well, that's, well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, you're talking, what, what? I don't know what fight it was, but I was extremely inebriated when I was complaining that my over, oh, well, it was uh, Poirier McGregor. I had over two and a half, and I was really inebriated at home all by myself just watching it. And I was like, why didn't that catch? That went over. And I was like, no, it went over one and a half. It did not go over two and a half. Just off by it, but Really quickly, I, not to embarrass myself, I did my research and texted our group chat and confirmed multiple times, are we sure this isn't over two and a half before I went to Twitter and complained? And I did not, so safe face. Good.
1: Von Tobel's with us. John is on v this week. He's hosting all five days uh, during the week. What, 2 to 4, John? 2 to 4, right, by, uh, right, right in our time slot?
3: Yep, 2 to 4 on v Monday through Friday on My Guys in the Desert. So watch that instead of listening to co Company.
1: Yeah, the war is on. The war is on. Uh, it's a ratings war. It's a battle right now. Uh, I wanted to talk Lakers, but you sent over a note, and you're like, we have to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Really?
3: There, yes. So there's a couple of things. One, they, they have a really interesting young player, Alexi Pukashevsky, who looks pretty good, like super like 6'9", long, kind of athletic, kind of space-the-four type of kid. Like, He'll be fun to watch. But the thing to watch here, guys, this is great. So they are only three wins away from cementing the over on their win total. They just need three victories. So on the surface, that's like, oh, three victories. you got a lot of time left, so there's a little over a month. Like, it's perfect. They have plenty of time. Here's the thing, for those who aren't really following it, the Thunder are tanking. The Thunder have benched pretty much everybody with their salt on this roster. Uh, Lugans, Dort, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Al Horford has essentially quit. They have tanked. They're tanking, like, just full-on, just running the C team out there, and they are getting destroyed. Like, these games aren't even close. The Cavs the other day just wrecked them by double digits. And so now all of a sudden, if you had an over on the Oklahoma City Thunder win total, this has become fascinating because I think they're like one in seven in their last nine games, or excuse me, that's eight. They're one in seven in the last eight games, and their net rating is like negative 22. So keeping track of this as you go forward, what looked like a like a lock, and you were feeling fantastic, has become the ultimate sweat and would be one of the worst beats I've ever seen on a win total if it doesn't come in. Did, uh, you, already get, did you already get your Hornets over? Yeah, they cemented it the other day. I think they beat. Uh, actually, I think they beat Oklahoma City where they did it. Yeah, they beat Oklahoma City. Right.
2: There you go. Uh, is
3: that is the game where Bridges got the dunk the only game you haven't watched live this year? <laughs> yes, and, I, and luckily I got to see it digitally. But I saw somebody I can't remember who, like somebody retweeted the video and was like, "Back in my day, this is a travel." I'm like, what are we watching? Like, what are we doing? One, It's not even close to a travel. And two, how do you watch that clip? And your first thought is, "I should complain about this."
2: It's, it's a fair question. Uh, Lakers are on the verge of getting back to full
3: strength. It wasn't a total collapse that some had feared. Nah, dude, and I think this is like uh, I I think this is one of the better coaching jobs that's going to go you know under the radar because it's only over an eleven to fourteen game span. But what Frank Vogel has done with the Lakers has been absolutely incredible. You know when when LeBron got hurt and they, they lose, I think like three consecutive games. You know we're talking about watch out. You know. They're going to fall into the play-in seed, and you know they could be. We're going to talk about them trying to fight their way into the postseason. They're going to be a seven or an eight seed since they have lost LeBron. They're five and six, and straight up, and against the spread, by the way, they are the second best defensive team in the league in terms of defensive efficiency since they've lost LeBron James. They're also the second worst offensive team, but Adam, they're only getting outscored by zero point two points every one hundred possessions because they've been so freaking good on defense. It's been absolutely incredible like Vogel deserves a ton of credit. You get the report over the weekend that Anthony Davis, 10 to 14 days, that was on Sunday, I think. So we're talking about now. I'm not good at math. That's just one day. So I would say that's like nine to 13 days from now that he's going to potentially be back on the floor. Vogel's been awesome. And, you know, they, and they've and they shifted offensively. You know, they're playing right now against the Knicks. One thing to watch is, like over the last three games, they have just said, screw it. Let's just start shooting. We have no shot creators. We have no guys who can get inside. Let's just be inefficient from an efficient area of the floor, and we'll see if this works for our offense. And lately it has. And so I just think like, it should be noted that Vogel has done a great job. The Lakers are probably going to be like the five or the four seed, but they're not even going to come close to sniffing the play in game. And Vogel deserves a ton of credit for it. All
1: right, John. Congrats, buddy. Congrats. Yep. That, was golf, that was a big golf. That was a big golf one at 50 to 1. Good job. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. JVT. John von Tobel, Beeson. He's filling in this week starting at 2 uh, o'clock. See if you can find time to. Uh, Maybe you can have both shows on at the same time. Ari's here. Adam's here. It's Cofield. we got a big 5 o'clock hour on the way. In the middle of the hour, we do have to discuss some of the news that uh, came out over the weekend, and that is the expectations are full go when it comes to Raider Stadium in the fall with the place
0: packed with fans. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios.